0: Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position.
1: The first one I can think of is we are thought of as the food police. I get this all the time at social events where I'm just not paying attention and people come and explain, justify why they are eating what they're eating. And my thought is, I didn't pay attention. Enjoy your food. I don't care. We're not food police. We love food. We promote real healthy food, but there's always room in our lives for occasional treats.
2: I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast and interview. Today, we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers featuring the role of a registered dietitian and nutritionist. Dietitians and nutritionists are experts in food and nutrition. They advise people on what to eat in order to lead a healthy lifestyle or achieve a specific health-related goal. Dietitians and nutritionists work in many settings, including hospitals, cafeterias, nursing homes, and schools. Some are self-employed with their own practice, and that's going to definitely be true of today's guests. Most dietitians and nutritionists have bachelor's degree and have participated in supervised training. In many states in the U.S., many of the dietitians and nutritionists are required to be licensed the median annual wage of dietitians and nutritionists is about fifty-three thousand dollars, two hundred and fifty. And employment for nutritionists and dietitians is expected to increase twenty percent between two thousand and ten and two thousand twenty, which is at a faster rate than for many occupations. Today's guest is Nora Zebda, who's a registered dietitian. Nora is an established young dietitian. She's an author, communicator, a lecturer, and entrepreneur, all rolled into one. She graduated summa cum laude from Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University in 2006 and earned her master's in dietetics degree from James Madison University in 2012. She previously worked as a summer camp nutrition educator, clinical dietitian, and nutrition consultant since her graduation from college. She presently works as the president and dietitian consultant for her own company called Nortrition LLC in Northern Virginia. Since 2009, Noor has published several articles and journals in different dietitian magazines. She was nominated for Recognized Young Dietitian of the Year in 2009. Friends, today's guest is Noor Zebda. I'd like to thank you for being on the call with me.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: So, you know what, you're young, you're enthusiastic, tell me how you decided to become a dietitian.
1: Well, I always had an interest in the healthcare field, my a family who were doctors, but I was specifically more interested in nutrition. I went to Virginia Tech and just going through the different pathways, I just chose the dietetics career path, like the training pathway, and I loved it and I'm still here. You know, Virginia Tech was my first destination, and that's where I finished four years of undergraduate degree. And then, uh, for dietitians, we have to complete a year of supervised training. So I did that in Northern Virginia, and I passed the national exam in 2008. And I have to complete continuing education hours every year um, to keep up to date with all the nutrition. And so that's how I can tailor where I want to take my career through these continuing education opportunities. And then I also got my master's from James Madison University.
2: Perfect. I know that health is becoming more and more important. And certainly, you know, the U.S. has got a reputation for being out of good health. Tell me what sorts of problems does a dietitian help solve?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it, nutrition is one of the core components of health. And what people eat or don't eat affects many aspects of how their body functions. So for me specifically, I chose to go into a private practice because I felt that's the best way I can help people. It gives me the flexibility to be able to help people find the results. I focus on weight management, heart disease, so someone with high cholesterol or high blood pressure, diabetes. My biggest thing is becoming digestive problems, so some conditions that have symptoms of gas, bloating, diarrhea, which could be problematic for people You know, it could be kind of passing for someone, but for some people it's very severe that it affects their quality of life. Other digestive problems like Crohn's disease and celiac disease are now, we're hearing of them more and more. I also help people with uh, wellness prevention. Some people want to make sure they are eating correctly now at a young age so that they can still maintain their health and their quality of life as they age. I also help people with food sensitivities and allergies and I'm finding this is becoming also more common for a variety of reasons. So this is the core sort of problems that I help people with and I'm able to get them to certain goals that we set beforehand. Now, there are other dietitians who focus on sports or kidney disease. Some do home health care, as you mentioned. So the specific conditions may differ from one dietitian to another.
2: Perfect. You know, as a mother, one of the things that has become apparent to me is I grew up in a family that came from the South. And South, the food is really tasty, but it's not necessarily healthy. And as I started to cook for my children, definitely noticed that, you know, I was duplicating what my mother was doing and really had to start to rethink the pathway that I was on because diabetes runs in my family, high blood pressure runs in my family, high cholesterol runs in my family. And I'm just thinking that if I could set the stage now for my young children, then perhaps I can keep them from developing that in themselves later on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Children are sponges. They absorb everything and then you can mold the way they eat and the way they view and approach nutrition at a very young age. So they grow up getting used to having vegetables on the table or eating at regular times, having family meals, any of the basic general nutrition healthy guidelines, then this is something they will continue to do as they grow up or something like, you know, the family doesn't eat sugary drinks all the time it becomes very much easier for them as adults to continue with that healthy lifestyle. But I also want to make a comment about the Southern way of cooking. Yes, it always comes up that it may not be the healthy way, but the Southern cooking tends to use a lot of the green leafy vegetables. And so that's always something I highlight. Someone with this background, I'm like, you've got the collard greens and the kale and all these beautiful green vegetables that you're already used to cooking them, so highlight those and find ways to make eating them a little healthier.
2: Absolutely. I know that my mother has shifted her cooking. It's also forced me to shift my cooking, but you're right. There is a lot of green leafy vegetables that I grew up on that I can encourage my kids to eat. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Noor advice, what advice would you give yourself today knowing what you know about the career?
1: There are two main things I would have wanted to tell myself. The first one is to be up for a challenge and lots of learning because the science of nutrition and research is always changing. And so I have to be able to keep up and, you know, always read. There are always articles and it's a good thing that the sciences are always updating but it's also challenging because you feel like you're always behind or there's something new that you have to keep up with and so that is the first one then the second thing is to be up for differences of opinions because in nutrition and in general in health there's no real one right way of doing things there's not one way of eating that is healthy for everyone and so there are no black and white in nutrition it's a lot of grays and a lot of we don't know just yet. Compared to math, like one plus one is two. Nobody argues about that. But what is a healthy diet? You can put 10 nutrition professionals in a room and each one will give you a different view of what healthy diet is. So these are the main two things that I am facing now as a professional.
2: Well, you know, that's interesting because I never would have thought of that. I would have thought that in general, nutrition is nutrition. You've got to eat your green leafy vegetables. You should probably cut down on your sugars. Could you tell me, perhaps give me a short distinction between what one nutritionist might recommend versus another nutritionist?
1: Well, the things that you mention are obvious, yes. Cutting on sugar, cutting on sugary drinks, eating more vegetables. Now, where we become in differences is should we eat meat or do we not eat meat there are proponents of vegan and veganism diets and vegetarians and there are proponents of you have to have meat and you have just choose the healthier meats you know grass fed because they have nutrients so you're going to have two differences of opinions then you have the difference of you have to have drink dairy and then you have another option is dairy can cause a lot of allergies so these are just kind of two examples. Is fructose bad for you or high fructose corn syrup? Or no, it doesn't matter. Sugar is sugar. Do calories differ between their sources? So maybe when you get down to the details, you'll find that there are a lot of things that could be debatable. And many of these arguments have research to back them. So that's when it becomes interesting.
2: Yeah. And I imagine if it's interesting for you, it's also interesting for a person like myself who might come to you, because if you talk to one dietician, they're telling you, go down, if you will, in the media role, you know, you should eat a Greek diet, or a this kind of diet, or, you know, I've heard all of these sorts of things, I imagine that that could be a little bit confusing, does that often come into play with working with different constituents that you might work with?
1: Well, you have to keep in mind when someone is making a general broad statement on any media outlets, they can't get to the details. So they would say, eat your vegetables or eat less sugar or drink more water, follow a Mediterranean diet. And so for someone in my place in private practice where I see someone, I take full history, I find out what their background is in terms of medical, their lifestyle. But they're culturally used to eating and not eating as well as they have any lab values and so i base my advice completely it's completely tailored to them because i see people with food sensitivities and i usually do that through a special blood test i've had some people reactive to sensitive to salmon so salmon is very healthy but if Someone is sensitive to it, then it's not healthy for them. And so that's, you know, a nutrition statement through media is maybe a lot different than individual one on one advice.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, as somebody who works in the financial services industry, even though I'm just concentrating on the college planning, I know that that is true. It's hard when somebody asks you for an interview or to write an article to cover anything with any kind of depth if you've only got. A minute to do so, so I can definitely understand yeah. that.
1: Yeah, or I got recently like five food query, like five foods that you can't live without. I'm like, well, why only five? There are lots of food options. I can't limit it to five. So, yeah. I, I,
2: I understand. So, let me ask you, what gets you up in the morning to serve your client? And the other side of that question is, of course, what keeps you up at night?
1: What gets me up is knowing that I make a difference. In my patient's life, they not only get to the goals that they want, whether it's to lose weight or alleviate their gas and bloating, but they improve their quality of life. I had someone who wasn't able to get a job doing some relief, like working with the Red Cross, and he wasn't able to get the job because he was overweight and I helped him lose weight and now I know I helped him get a job and so sometimes it's beyond the goals that we set I had somebody I was always having gas problems and diarrhea and running to the bathroom she felt like she was gonna lose her job because she wasn't able to sit in meetings and now she can sit in a meeting and her boss doesn't think she's slacking. and so the changes that people see and improvements in their lives are absolutely rewarding Now, what keeps me up at night is not the patients or the nutrition is the running the business aspect. Being in private practice, I have to maintain an office and have finances and marketing and admin. So I try to not let this keep me up at night, but occasionally it does.
2: I understand. I definitely understand that one. Yeah. So why do you think that being a dietitian is on the list of the top 100 careers?
1: You mentioned the statistics. I don't have all of them, but it's a growing field. There's a big health problem here in the U.S. with obesity, diabetes, metabolic syndrome. We're seeing a lot of allergies. And so... All of There is demand for healthcare professionals who help in these areas. There are always opportunities. People are more aware of their health and nutrition. We're living longer in general, and so we're looking for quality of life as we age as well. So all of those things are promoting people to look into what they're eating. As a dietitian, I maybe it's my own thought. Maybe it's less stressful than nurses and physicians. And so maybe it's a desirable field for people who want to get into health. For me personally, as a mom, and I have two young children, the ability to have my own practice, not every healthcare professional can run their own practice. And so that opportunity is by itself, you know, is very appealing because I have set my own hours, I can take time off when my kids have a field trip and I want to go with them. So the flexibility is key as well.
2: Absolutely. Are there any myths or misconceptions about being a dietitian?
1: Probably there are many, but the first one I can think of is we are thought of as the food police. And I I get this all the time at social events where I'm just not paying attention and people come and explain, justify why they are eating what they're eating. And (laughs) my thought is, I didn't pay attention, enjoy your food, I don't care. So, you know, we're not food police, we love food. And we promote real healthy food, but there's always room in our lives for occasional treats. Probably the other conception is that dietitians eat their food is not yummy or not so good. And so always make sure when I have people over when I'm hosting is that the healthy food that I make tastes good and to kind of send that message because I do live what I preach. And so these are a couple of things.
2: You know, it's funny because what you said is very true because I remember and I've heard other professionals talk about it. So, you know, if you're in a room with people when the market is going really high, I find a lot of people want to talk to me about their investments. And I'm just like, here, I'm at a party. Do you really think that I want to talk about your investment portfolio at a party? Uh, You know, so I could imagine. Or, you know, my dentist has said in the past, you know, you're at a thing. People want you to kind of look in their mouths and and diagnose, you Uh, know, what's going on with their gums or, you know, whatever. So I imagine that that's probably a recurring thing because oftentimes when you're at a party, people are thinking that, oh, you're thinking that I'm – not doing it well, especially when you're in a helping profession like yourself, and that you're judging people. But
1: exactly, I think yeah. For
2: many of us, you know, it's just nice to be out and uh, you know, spending time with our friends and family, and we're not really thinking about you know whether or not they've got some tooth decay in their mouth, or in your case, should I be eating this piece of cake, which is really the only thing that him. I've eaten all week? But you don't know that because <laughs> you haven't been yeah. following
1: me around. Yeah, exactly. I think people feel a little worried that they may be judged when I'm around, but I'm like, really, I don't, you know, I just enjoy your meal. So, yeah.
2: Got it. So if people were interested in getting in touch with you and learning a little bit more, do you really only help people who live in Northern Virginia or do you have ways to help people kind of across the internet?
1: I do help people across the internet. There are certain things that we'll have to adjust. For example, Whenever I help people across the Internet, I may not be able to share as much of their medical background because there may be some laws that limit what I can, how I can help them. So I am in Virginia. I do help people in Northern Virginia in person. And I've had people choose to do phone calls because our area is very large and driving can be a problem. So it saves them time and energy to just pick up the phone and talk. Within the state of Virginia, I can do pretty much everything I do in person through phone or Skype. And across the state, there are certain things that I will have to adjust. But yeah, I mean, I do, it takes more of a health coaching approach across the states.
2: All right, perfect. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that?
1: The first way is my website. So it's www.nourition, that's N as Nancy, O-U-R, I-T as in Tom, I-O-N dot com. And there they can find my phone, fax number. I'm on social media so they can see my Facebook and Twitter handle as well. But I can give you my phone number. It's 571 449 Eight seven, and a lot of times people before they you know sign up to work with me and become a patient or client of mine, we chat through phone or email, and I get up to know a little bit more about them and help them make that decision. So that's always welcome.
2: Absolutely. Well, Nora, it's been a pleasure talking with you and learning a little bit more about your profession. I can see that you are somebody who loves what it is that you do, and I definitely encourage our listeners to reach out and learn a little bit more about Noor and her business, and we will include links to her business in our show notes.
1: Yep. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I do love what I do, and so I'm glad you were able to see that.
2: All right. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at www.collegefundingresource.com also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcast. If you like today's podcast, we invite you to go into our iTunes channel and rate our podcast at collegefundingresource.com. You'll be able to listen to guests like Noor who have valuable information to share about different careers for you to consider. Nor, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for being on the call with me.
1: Thank you.
2: And I also want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope that you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 podcast.